Although we both identify as Roman Catholic, our aim is not to convert or convince. We have no official affiliation with any religious body and present here only our own interpretations and opinions of these stories. We understand and expect that some listeners may not have spiritual belief in certain aspects of these events, but we hope you find value in them as historical narratives which are inextricably tied to the times, places, cultures, and spiritual beliefs of the people who lived and retold them. Due to age and variable documentation practices, we cannot guarantee the historical accuracy of these stories. Hey guys, just a quick content warning for this episode. Uh, please be warned that there are some light discussions of violence towards children and some light discussions of gore and things of that nature. So this is your warning for this episode. And if you are affected by any of these topics, we would suggest uh, not listening or skipping once you get to that point. Thanks. and welcome to A Martyr and a Monk. That's Victoria. And that's Christina. Uh, Before we get going this week, we just want to quickly apologize for missing uh, two weeks ago, I guess. Um, Christina was traveling internationally and we thought we would have time to record and then we didn't. Uh, So here we are. It was unfortunate. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's fine. We're back at it. Okay, so continuing on. Sorry about that. Let's do this. Today, we are going to talk about St. Nicholas of Myra. Uh, Myra. Okay. Myra? Uh. Myra. Yes. Uh, he's also known as Nicholas of Berry and Nicholas the Wonder Worker. Ooh, fun. <laughs> yes. Yes. Fun, fancy times names. Delightful. Okay. So, um, just a note at the beginning of this. Um, he is quite an old saint. Like, he lived uh, a long time ago, mm-hmm. uh, which means that his, like, historical accuracy is sketch. <laughs> As um, per usual. <laughs> yeah. So, just uh, quickly, just so everyone knows, um, none of his own writings survive. Ooh. Uh He is not mentioned in any uh, contemporary chronicles. Mm. Uh, and so the earliest, like, records of his life were written centuries later. Well, that's not uh, great for historical accuracy. No, it's not great. <laughs> um, but they are reasonably sure that he was a real person for a variety of reasons that we will get into. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, so, like, this person almost certainly did live, just whether or not he did all these things is, like, yeah. question mark. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to be saying a lot of things like, traditionally, people say <laughs> that, which is, like, it's just a thing that people believe. Who right. Knows if it's true. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. So right off the bat, uh, traditionally, uh, Nicholas was born in a city called Patara, uh, which at the time was a seaport in uh, the Greek Empire, but is now in southwest Turkey on the Mediterranean. Mm. Uh, They traditionally say that he was born on March 15th of 270. Mm. Uh, I don't know how they could possibly know that. We are real, Uh, real (laughs) old. Yep, that's what they say, 270. Um, His parents have two sets of names, depending on which uh, 
biography you read that was written a thousand years uh, later. That's unfortunate. Uh, maybe it is Epiphanius and Joanna, uh, or maybe it is uh, Theophon- Theophanus, mm-hmm. Theophanes, and Nona. Oh, okay. Uh, those are possibly his parents. <laughs> I right. uh, don't know anything else about them, really, except that uh, some chronicles say that he that his family was like decently well off, like kind of wealthy, mm. and that they were Christian. Okay. Yeah. Which is okay. kind of surprising yeah. for the, the time and place. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so something people note about him, um, part of the reason that they think that this was a real person is because other saints in living in this period are almost always converted. Like they were born yeah. Roman or Greek or whatever. Right. And then they, in later life, they convert to Christianity. Uh, and so they think the fact that people say that he was born Christian is an indication that this isn't made up. Like... This is based on something real. I don't know if about you were that. It up, you would do it. Yeah, that's kind of what I think. Because you could just make that up. <laughs> yeah, but they seem to think that when people were making things up, they mostly copied from other saints, mm. and this didn't happen to anyone else. I see. So yeah, that's their like reasoning, okay. modern reasoning. So maybe, maybe they were Christian. Yeah, Who I knows? guess like um, one of the people I covered. Uh, I don't remember who it was. <laughs> Where there was like two of them, and mm-hmm. some people thought that the other one was different, but it was probably not different. Uh, Erasmus? <laughs> yeah. Was it Erasmus? I don't think it was Erasmus. Anyway. So maybe he was born Christian. Right. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Um, it seems like another reason they think that maybe this is true, that his family was already Christian, um, is that his uncle was the bishop of the local little huh. area, diocese. Okay, but weren't there bishops um, already at 270? Yes. Huh. So there was actually bishops, Interesting. like, pretty early. They just don't have, like... Like, it would be like, your church is in someone's basement, you know? Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Real shady underground type stuff. Right. Um, so, huh. yeah. So they okay. say his uncle was the bishop, so that kind of lends credence to the fact that maybe this whole family was already Christian when he was born. Right. Yes. Uh, so, not a whole lot of stuff about his childhood. Uh, and so the next thing we really know about him is that at some point in his sort of youth, I don't know if youth means like he's a child or if youth means he's in his like 20s. Yeah, young adult. Uh, but sometime in his youth, uh, his parents have both died and he inherits a ton of money. Oh, good for him. Um, yep. And he basically doesn't want it. It makes him uncomfortable to be this wealthy. And he um, he's already a priest at this point. Okay. Um, don't know how he became a priest, he just is. <laughs> he is. And it makes him uncomfortable and he doesn't like having all this money. So he decides that he's going to distribute it to the poor, basically. Nice, nice. Um, yep. And he uh, is traveling around, giving away his money, and he hears of this guy uh, who used to be quite wealthy and then, um, through the interference of Satan, has lost all of his money. Uh, Wait. No more information about that. Okay. <laughs> That's Wait, so this is a different guy? The guy he just meets? Yeah, he just hears of some guy in some town that he's traveling in. Uh, he hears of this guy who has lost all his money. And this guy has three daughters okay. who are of marrying age. Uh, but since he has no money anymore, he can't afford to pay their dowries. Yeah. Uh, which means that they won't ever marry. Yeah. Uh, and at the time, a common result of that was that since you had no like options for income as a woman. Yeah. Uh, if you didn't have a spouse, no one to take care of you, uh, it often forced a lot of women into prostitution. Yeah. 
So this is like a big problem right. for this family that they can't afford the dowries. Uh, so um, Nicholas finds out about that. He feels bad. Uh, he thinks it is. Uh, <laughs> he feels it's too showy for him to just like publicly help this guy. Yeah. Uh, he thinks that's like it makes him look like he's trying to claim attention for himself and like right. you know yeah. make himself look good. Uh, so he doesn't want to just give this guy money to help the daughters. So instead, he goes to their house one night and throws a purse full of gold coins through their window. Oh, nice. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, and the family uh, uses that money to arrange a dowry for the eldest daughter, and she gets married and was like, she's good. She's safe. Nice. Uh, as soon as that first marriage happens, uh, Nick goes uh, goes past their house uh, in the middle of another night and throws in a second bag of coins nice. for the second daughter to use as a dowry and get married. Nice. Uh, so at this point, the father of these girls has uh, identified the pattern. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, so after the second wedding of the se- the wedding of the second daughter uh the dad stays up and tries is like he's gonna try to catch nick you know yeah like try to find this person who's giving the money right uh, and so when nick comes to drop off the third bag of gold for the last daughter uh the dad like catches him and falls to his knees and thanks him for the money uh-huh. and it's a lovely little a lovely little story yes um so like everything else uh don't know if this story is true yeah uh, <laughs> but again it's like not a it's not similar to any other saint stories, so right. it seems like a weird thing to make up if you're trying to make a believable. Yeah, one. Thing. So maybe I have identified where we're going. Two. Good. <laughs> uh, I don't know if our listeners have yet, but I have. Uh, two. The whole lost his money via Satan kind of just sounds like like gambling or something. No, it's no, it's the it's just like a thing that some chronicler a thousand years later wrote. Uh, and it it's not his fault. Okay. It's like Supposedly. through bad luck concocted by Satan. Okay. This guy loses all, all his right. money. All right. Yeah. So it's not the guy who is yeah. being Sketchy. bad. It's, yeah. Satan is conspiring against this man. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Right. So, yes. So that is uh, first story. Okay. Um, he is also said to have a thing for, um, putting gold coins in people's shoes, um, because, yep, because (laughs) like people would leave their dirty shoes like outside their houses overnight, you know? Yeah. Because they don't want to bring the muck into the house. Uh, so he would go past at night and just drop coins into the shoes of the poor, Mm -hmm. just like a thing, which we will come back to later. Delightful. Um, sometime also in this period where he's like wandering around being charitable, Uh uh, some sources say that he makes a pilgrimage to Egypt and Palestine. Egypt? Um, Damn. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, well, he's in Turkey, so pa- yeah. uh, Egypt's not that far away. Palestine isn't either. No, neither of them are that, that far away. Uh, so he sails to these places. He doesn't take the land route. Fancy. And while he's sailing, uh, his ship is caught in a terrible storm, and he, um, he reprimands the waves. Uh, what? And it stops. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, goodness. Just yelling at waves. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's funny. Um, eventually, uh, after this pilgrimage uh, around the Caribbean, or the Mediterranean, he returns to uh, his home area and is made the Bishop of Mira, okay. uh, which is um, this town in southwest Turkey, sort of near to where he was born. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the place that his uncle was theoretically the Bishop of. Right. It's just like kind of like the big city in the area. Yeah. Like where he's from, basically. Yes. And the legend says that the, um, so the previous Bishop of Mira, who wasn't his uncle, his uncle has died. There's been like a subsequent one in the middle. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah. 
so this second subsequent middle guy has died shortly before um, Nicholas's ship comes back home. Okay. Um, and the other priests at the like the main church have decided that rather than just picking a new bishop, which is definitely what they should have done, <laughs> um, that they would leave it up to God and that the first priest who walked into the church that morning would just be the new bishop. Okay. Well. Um, and Nick, Nick was there first. I suppose so it was Nick early the, enough that like <laughs> – like yeah. two seventies. <laughs> yeah. So Nick is the new Bishop of Mira. Okay. Good good for him. Yeah. Yes. Uh so in his bishopness, uh there's a whole lot of stuff. Um and a lot of it uh doesn't like it's not like a consecutive story, it's just a lot of random little mm-hmm. disjointed stuff. Okay. Uh again, some of it may or may not be true. Right. Question mark. Yeah. So here we go. <laughs> Um, uh, listeners and you, uh, probably remember we've talked about the Diocletian persecutions. Yes. Um, which is like right around this time period. Uh, they ran traditionally, people say that they ran from 303 to 313 mm. and were the last and harshest organized persecutions of Christians in the Roman Empire. Yes. Yeah. I talked about that, I believe, with Erasmus. Yes. Yeah. The same guy I yeah. mentioned earlier who, uh, had like two different people and nobody can decide if they're the same person or different people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's happening here too. Uh, so Nick is in his uh, sort of mid thirties when this is happening. Uh, and there are some reports that he was maybe, maybe arrested and imprisoned and tortured um, for a Seems while possible. during this period. Yep. Yeah. Definitely possible. Um, and is eventually released when Constantine uh, takes power. Yeah. Again, maybe dates line up. Seems reasonable. He's like a bishop. He's a high-ranking Christian. And if anybody doesn't know what Constantine did, he Christianized all the kingdoms. (laughs) Yes. Constantine made uh, Christianity the state religion of the Roman Empire. Yes. Yep. Uh, So he did that. He's in prison for some amount of time, maybe. Yeah. Um, Eventually gets released. He is... um, so the first Council of Nicaea happens in 325, uh, when he's in his 50s, mm-hmm. and there's a bunch of lists of who attended the first Council of Nicaea, okay. uh, written at different times by various different people, and he appears on some of the lists, uh, but not all of them, okay. uh, so they don't know, don't know why. Don't know if that means he wasn't there. Do we know what the oldest list is? The oldest one was written, like, 200 years later, so... okay. Yeah. It's like, maybe. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people think that, like, he's a bishop of a reasonably major area. Like, he would have been invited. There's no reason to think he wasn't there. Right. But also, he doesn't appear on any of the, like, most official lists. So it's kind mm. of like, maybe. Yeah. Um. So for anyone who doesn't know, the councils, councils of Nicaea are, like, a big, big deal. Um, they were a... Um, like a series of meetings in the early church um, where all the Christian bishops would come together and try to like make any kind of consensus (laughs) over anything. (laughs) Just like decide what this religion is going to be, uh, what kind of rules they're going to follow, what holidays they celebrate, what books they use in the Bible, just like any, any kind of system. Yep. Uh, Any rules at all, please. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So this first council of Nicaea, which said was in 325, uh, Mm -hmm. was convened by Constantine, which I did not know. Huh. Yeah. Uh, so apparently Constantine was like, I'm down for making this the state religion, but we need something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
We need anything um, so that people can follow. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, so some of the stuff that they did at this first council specifically, um, just for funsies, um, was that they uh, decided on the divine nature of God because there was this big argument at the time about whether um, whether Christ is God or if Christ is like a lesser like a lesser deity kind of. Oh, kind of like, are we still kind of in Judaism? Sort of? Like, is he yes. a prophet or is he? Yes. And God? so there, uh, this is yeah. where uh, the Holy Trinity sort of arises as like, oh. they're three hmm. in one and they're all equal and they're like, no one's above anyone else. Like, yeah. that's where this thing huh. is like formalized. Nice. Uh, is at this first, uh, first council of Nicaea. Okay. Um, they wrote uh, the first about the first half of the Nicene Creed, uh, which most Catholic, oh, yeah. most Catholics have probably uh, heard or know, yeah. um, they established a uniform system for um, setting the date for Easter because everyone had just been like doing stuff at random. <laughs> <laughs> set up a, a way to make sure that everyone celebrates Easter on the same day. Uh-huh. Uh, and then they did some like general early canon law stuff, right. which is what all the other councils did too. Yeah. Yes. Huh. So this like pretty heavy hitter first council. Yeah. Good work. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, which is why people think that like he's a bishop of a major area, like he would have been invited. Well, I wonder like depending on depending on exactly which like records he's on and not on. Like, if he's not on any of the oldest ones, it almost makes me wonder if, like, somebody did, like, they heard about his story later and were like, oh, he must have been there. And so they added yes. him to the list. But if he's on some, at least some of the earlier lists, then I think that's more... Yes. There's also some question of maybe he was there and then for some reason the earliest chroniclers intentionally removed him. Eh. Like there was a yeah. like a socio political reason for them to not want people to know that he was there. Yeah, I don't know. Very up in the air. Right. Uh, he is listed in like some early records of like the authors of the Nicene Creed. Oh, okay. Yeah, and like if they did that at this council, then he must have been there. Right. But like he's not on any yeah. of the lists of the people who yeah. were there. Right. So yeah. who yeah. knows. Um, there is a fun story, uh, which is definitely a legend because it first appears in the 1300s, oh, which is yeah. a thousand years later. Yep. Um, but it's a fun story, so I'll tell you it anyway. Um, is that he's at this council of Nicaea, um, and there's this guy there called Arius, okay. uh, who was a priest um, from what is now Libya. Okay. Uh, and he is like uh, a big, big deal, like teacher, theologian kind of guy, and he has developed uh, this branch of theology called Arianism, okay. uh, which is kind of what we were just talking about. It puts Christ as like below God. Right. Yeah. Like Christ isn't God. He's like a sub. Yeah. Subheading. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's, so that's what Arius is like teaching. That's right. like his thing. Yeah. Is this. Um, and so he is at this, he's at the Nicene Council um, and they're like arguing about this, trying to decide which- what to do. And it's not like that view is like not that hard to get no, to. Like, like I'm totally surprised. makes sense. Yeah, because like if if like Jesus was a person, so I feel like okay, well, God is like the perfect thing. Like being a person isn't perfect, so Christ must not yeah. be. As and like good even as today, God. people yeah, yeah, even today people really struggle with the like Trinitarian yeah like concept, like wrapping their yeah. brains around it. So it makes perfect sense that like this guy was like, "That's nonsense. We're not right." Doing that. <laughs> it's like we're a monotheistic religion, but re- are we? Are we though? Yeah. <laughs> so 
<laughs> so um, I don't I don't know. They call this Arius guy a heretic, which I think is harsh. That's a little aggressive, yeah. For this early, especially. Yes. Uh, but so they say that um, uh, he, this guy was at the council and is like trying to convince everyone to do this Arian thing. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Nicholas didn't didn't like it and uh, slapped him. Oh no! <laughs> and then the other bishops um, um, defrocked Nicholas, uh, which is like a formal term for like revoking his rights as a bishop for a while. Damn, it's like a punishment. Uh, so they take away his pallium, which we've talked about, yeah. which is the stole thing, oh. and his mitre yeah. as a punishment. But again, this legend was added like a thousand years later, so it definitely isn't true, but still fun. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> super random but (laughs) yep (laughs) okay uh another story Uh of various uh christiany things that nicholas is doing okay um so he is in mira and mira is like a decently big city so they have like major court systems and like judicial stuff happening there uh and there's these three guys who are uh, charged with a crime that they didn't commit um Mm -hmm. and have been sentenced to death and they are up at the execution point and the uh, executioner is like raising the sword ready to chop their heads off mm-hmm. and Nick uh, shows up and is like no <laughs> uh, and pushes the executioner out of the way and releases <laughs> these guys from their chains and yells at the jurors who have been standing around watching yeah. about how they messed up the mm. uh, trial interesting uh, yep uh then there's another story uh-huh. which is kind of similar uh-huh. uh where there's this uh guy who sits on like the the like provincial council right uh like big fancy politician guy um and he uh has been bribed to like almost assassinate these three like really famous generals okay (laughs) um because there's like political intrigue happening and they need to get rid of these generals so this counselor has been bribed to like institute the assassination of these generals even though they haven't like really done anything wrong it's just they're on the wrong side of this political disagreement yeah um and Nick finds out about this um, assassination plan, uh, and he knows that the generals didn't do anything wrong, so he thinks that this is not acceptable. And so he, uh, it, I guess intentionally, appears to Constantine in dreams, like the Emperor Constantine. Wait, um, who does? Tell- Wait, what? <laughs> Nick. Nick does. Okay. Uh, All right. So Nick, <laughs> Nick doesn't think that these generals should be assassinated, right. so he... I guess intentionally projects his, himself into Constantine's dreams. That's very odd. Uh, and tells Constantine about this uh, this political thing happening yeah. and how like Constantine needs to step stop in it. and make it stop. Yeah. Uh, and then he also projects himself into the dreams of this counselor guy who's been bribed to uh-huh. set up the assassinations and just scares him with visions of hell. Ooh, good, good, good. <laughs> Gets good. him to like yes. turn it down yeah. and step back and cancel the assassination. Yeah. Ha. Huh. Yep. That is very specific, isn't it? It is very specific. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know how cons- or how Nick is sending himself into these people's dreams. Astral projection. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. But it's fun. Uh, okay, so in uh, Mira, which is this area that he lives in, which is on the southwest coast of Turkey, in three eleven to three twelve, there was a major famine. Uh, which was really, bad. really bad for the yeah. yeah local population. Like, lots of people dying. Yeah. Really bad times. Um, and the emperor, uh, Constantine, is in Constantinople. Wow. Uh, which is, like, a ways away. It's, like, not that close. Isn't Constantinople named after Constantine? 
Yes. Yeah, that's why I said wow. <laughs> yep. So he's up there in his palace doing emperor things. Uh-huh. Uh, and this era area, this Mira area, is sending, like, tax uh, tribute in the form of wheat. Okay. Um, so there's these uh, imperial sailors who are, like, loading all this wheat onto a ship to take it to Constantinople for the emperor's household. Okay. And Nick is like, hey, yo, uh, all these people here are starving to death. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe leave stop. that meat here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the sailors are like, uh, no, we can't yeah. give it to you because, like, if we turn up without the wheat, we're going to be in big, big trouble. Yeah. Um, but I guess Nick convinces them that, like, they won't be punished. Huh. Uh, I don't know how. Yeah. They I don't, don't know. really have, like, a lot of information. I don't know how he could possibly have convinced them. But right. he's a bishop. So maybe they're like, he's like an, a high ranking dude. So, like, I don't know. Maybe he can do this. Also, this story probably just didn't happen, so yeah. that's another explanation. Right. <laughs> uh, but so he convinces them that uh, they won't be punished and that they should leave some of the wheat. And so they offload uh, two years worth of wheat from the ship. Damn. Which isn't all of it, but it is yeah. a lot. Uh, and then they, they distribute it to the poor and then the sailors sail away yeah. on there uh, up to Constantinople. Huh. Uh, and when they arrive in Constantinople, they have a Rumpelstiltskin moment and Uh-oh. find that the all the wheat in the ship has replenished itself. Uh-huh. Yeah, so they don't get in trouble because they brought as much as they were supposed to. Right. Everything's fine. That's fun. Jesus and the fishes, the wee multiplies. Everything's yes. good. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Uh, and then there's, there's this last story, which is my favorite one because it is wild. <laughs> uh, so. I mean, all of the other ones we've talked about have also been wild. This is wild in a different way. Yeah. Uh, so there, he's in this town, he's the bishop and he's preaching and doing bishop stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, and he's in this town where these three little kids have gone missing. Uh-oh. Everyone's like, what has happened to these three little kids? Also, I'd like to point out all of these stories have happened in threes. FYI. Yes. The three daughters yeah. and the three criminals and the three people, the three generals and, and three generals. Three children. Yep. Yeah. Really on the nose over here. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the townspeople are like, where do these little kids go? Yeah. Like, little kids don't go missing. What's happening? Right. Uh, and everyone's, you know, chatting and, like, trying to find out if anyone, like, saw them or, you know, has any ideas. And the local butcher is like, oh, I, don't, I don't know. I didn't see the kids. <laughs> don't look at me. And uh, Nicholas uh, has excellent powers of deduction and is mm. like, you are lying. Like, mm. you are being sketched and I don't like it. Yeah. Um, and so they go into this butcher's house and search his stuff. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that, uh, so remember how I said they were in a famine? Yeah. Uh, so this is in that same period. Oh. This, uh, there's a food shortage. And they find out that this butcher has murdered these three kids. Oh, no. Uh, and dumped their body, cut their bodies up and dumped them in, um, like, brining vats. Yeah. To, like, pickle the meat. Yeah. And then he's going to sell them as pork. Oh, no. Yeah, that's gross. That's not good. Uh, yeah, it's bad. Um, and uh, Nick does not like this, so he reasonably, makes the sign of the cross. yeah, he <laughs> makes a sign of the cross over the uh, like the pickling vats. Yeah, and the kids' bodies reconstitute ah! themselves and they're resurrected. Oh no! <laughs> and they come back to life. Ah! <laughs> yep. <laughs> I can't believe that the townspeople were just like fine with that. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, again, oh, no. uh, this is another story that was probably added, oh, uh, they think, in the no. late Middle Ages. 
What was um, wrong with people it, in the Middle Ages? I don't know. Apparently, people in the Middle Ages thought that this was excellent. Oh, <laughs> Because gosh. it's one of the most popular, like, depictions of St. Nicholas ah. is him doing this resurrection thing. What? And it's in, like, there's stained glass uh, windows of it all uh, over Europe, and it's in paintings and wait. tapestries and just everywhere, all across Europe. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> um, something kind of funny about this story is that because it was so popular in the Middle Ages and they made all of these depictions and icons and windows oh, no. and stuff of it, oh, um, no. is that oh, when no. they first started making these pictures, they were like doing a good job of like the kids were murdered and put in this fat. And then St. Nicholas finds out that this guy's a liar right. and then he resurrects them. And it's like, a very much like a story of all these things together. Yeah. Uh, but as time went on and people kept making like reproductions and like the story gets shuffled around, uh, eventually they just start doing the last bit where it's just like St. Nicholas surrounded by three children who appear to be fine. Right. Uh, and they just like drop all the beginning stuff, uh, which made people, um, People just, like, didn't really understand the story anymore, and right. eventually it led to people thinking that those things were supposed to tell viewers that Nicholas was the patron saint of children or possibly brewers. Right. Because they're in a vat. Yep. Oh, <laughs> uh, so no. now he's the patron saint of children and brewers because people just didn't understand this uh, yeah. creepy yeah, uh, so cannibal, cannibal If you <laughs> go look up St. Nick resurrecting children... <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's unfortunate and then also so you know how google when you're in google images it like gives you suggestions of related words mm-hmm. <laughs> right now the first two related <laughs> the first two related uh words are necromancer and pickle <laughs> <laughs> oh no oh no <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, it's yeah. really unfortunate so to look at all of these, like, tapestries and shit. Yeah. Oh, but apparently man. people in the Middle Ages were just super jazzed about that story. Uh, <laughs> uh yeah. Okay. Okay. So, uh, St. Nicholas lives, like, pretty long life. Uh, nothing really huge major happens to him. Uh, just the stuff that I've already talked about. Right. Um. But mostly he just, like, lives his life. He's the bishop. He has stuff to do. Yeah. Um, And then uh, traditionally people say that he died on December 6th of 343 Mm. when he was 73 years old. Ooh, that's old. It is. For 343. Yes. So, um, uh, So when he dies, there's, like, no information about, like, what he died of or, you know, anything. But, like, he's old. He probably is just dying of old. Right. Yeah. Um, he's not like, you know, he's, he's not in the seventies. Like, yeah, yeah, he's not, there's not any like big dramatic thing. He's just old and he dies. Yeah. Um, so originally, uh, for like the last, what, 1500 years since he died, yeah. uh, people thought that he had been buried in Mira where he was the bishop. Right. Um, Reasonable. but they've done some archeological work recently in like the last like 20, 30 years that says that he maybe was not buried in Mira. Okay. Uh, so they found this, well, found, somebody looked into (laughs) this, uh, there's a rock hewn church, uh, like set into the uh, cliff face of this like small mountain, um, on an island called, uh, Jamil maybe, Mm. uh, which is a little island in the Mediterranean off the coast of Turkey. Um, like not far from where he was born and, uh, where he lived when he was an adult. Um, and this island... Uh, so there's this rock hewn church. Yeah. And 
They think that this is where he was buried, actually, oh. not in Mira. Okay. And the reason the archaeologists think that this is where he was buried is because of several reasons. First, his name is painted on a wall. Okay. Uh, and they think that the paint is original. Oh, wow. Like, it's old. It's yeah. been there for a long, Real long time. Old. Uh, and they're like, well, that's a weird thing to paint on a wall. If, yeah, if there's not a reason for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in antiquity, this island uh, was called St. Nicholas Island. Oh. Uh, and now uh, the modern name of it is uh, Jamiler Adasi, maybe, uh-huh. uh, which translates to the Island of Boats, which even today people know to be a reference to St. Nicholas being the patron saint of like seafarers and sailors. Oh. So there's like two mm. old timey connections yeah. for the name of the island being related yeah. to St. Nicholas. Um, dating of the church uh, says that it was built in the fourth century, which is uh, when he died. He died yeah. in the middle of the fourth century. Um, and it's like architectural structure is very typical for saintly shrines of the period. Huh. Uh, and then finally, um, St. Nicholas was the only major like saint, major uh religious figure associated with this like region of turkey right um and this little church is uh set just off of the island's great processional way which would be like its main thoroughfare road right so it's like it's on like the main street huh so all these things together make uh archaeologists think that maybe this is where he was buried at least for a period yeah don't know how long he was probably there the whole time uh he is not there the whole time Definitely has not been there the whole time, okay. for sure. Uh, but maybe he was there for a while at the beginning. Okay. Which goes against the tradition of him having always been buried in Mira. So, this church... Wait, so what island mm-hmm. is it on again? Uh, it's called Gamil now. Which is, it's pretty close to the coast of Turkey, near where he lived. So, like, it's reasonable that yeah, they would yeah. put his body here. It's not, like, way off. Right. Yeah. Okay. So yep. that's pretty good evidence if the paint is old. <laughs> yes. That's, uh, uh, so they think, good. yeah. So they, like, they, they think that maybe that's where he was put right when he died. Right. Um, and then the question just becomes like, was he there for months or was he there for decades before they moved him? Cause they know that he got moved. Okay. Okay. So now we're going to talk about the moving. Okay. So he dies in the mid three hundreds. Okay. In the mid six hundreds uh, is when the most like archaeologists guess that his body was moved because some stuff happens that makes sense that they would do it now. Okay. Um, but they don't actually have any like yeah. real proof. You know, yeah. this is just like the best historical guess. Right. Uh, so in the mid 600s, um, uh, the Arab countries are having their like, uh, they're ramping up for their golden age. They're having like a great time. Okay. Um, and they are, this is a uh, part of the period when they take over a lot of North Africa and enter Spain mm-hmm. and they're just like expanding. Yeah. So they are, uh, so there are Arab fleets like sailing around in the Mediterranean doing stuff. Um, and Gamil is this little island, uh, and they, uh, the priests and the monks in the area think that it's like really vulnerable to attacks by the Arabs. Yeah. And they, so they decide that this would be a good time maybe to move St. Nicholas back to Mira. Okay. Which is on the mainland. Yeah. Makes sense. So this is like reasonable. Like, yes, that yeah. would be a good time to move your, your fancy time saint. Right. So. He's in Mira now. Okay. Whether or not he was actually moved in the 600s or way before this, don't know. Okay. But now he's in Mira. Okay. <laughs> uh, so he's in Mira uh, in a church in a sarcophagus. Uh, his relics do this weird thing where they ooze clear watery liquid. Oh, no. Uh, 
that smells like roses and myrrh. Oh, no. And that people reasonably believed uh, to have, like, miraculous powers. Yeah. Yeah. So that's fun for them, I guess. <laughs> uh, okay. So. Oh, um, Although, honestly, this- I mean, I guess they weren't embalming people at this time, but... Like, if you were preparing a body, you might use... Yeah, but it's been 300 years. Uh, that's true. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So anything... Like, that's what I would be like, yeah, he's oozing, right. like, his embalming sterile stuff, stuff yeah. but it's been 300 years. Yep. Uh, okay. So. Uh-huh. Yes. So in Mira, he is in a church called uh, St. Nicholas Church, which they think was probably purpose-built, okay. like, for him. Yeah. Or, like, in his honor. Yeah. Uh, so he's in this uh, in this church in his fancy sarcophagus. Um Archaeological work on this church, in which still stands, uh, was done or well, was started in two, 2017, oh. uh, doing various stuff. And one of the things they uncovered uh, was that there's an older temple underneath this church. Um, and this church was built in the 6th century. So, like, this older temple is, like, old, old. old. Yeah. Yep. Real old. Uh, and so they're doing some work right now uh, to try to work out if any of St. Nicholas's body still remains in this. Ooh area just fun yeah ongoing work yeah very yep. carefully everyone set a note to check in i just found a ridiculous yep. photo <laughs> of <laughs> i looked up this church uh-huh. and it does look old uh yep. which is very interesting actually but there's this picture somebody just photoshopped a santa into one of the pictures of this church <laughs> you're spoiling things sorry <laughs> Continue. okay uh so He's in this church in Mira for a while because okay. uh, he's moved in maybe the 600s is the theory. And then in 1071, uh, the uh, Byzantine Empire is being attacked by the Seljuk Turks. The Seljuk Turks? Are, yes, okay. who are a Turkic um, kingdom who are ruling a lot of the Middle East and Persia and Central Asia. Yeah. And uh, just doing a lot of stuff. Uh-huh. So, the, <laughs> so the Byzantine Empire loses control of most of Turkey. To the Seljuk Turks, including the area where Mira is. Mm. Okay. So that's in 1071. Yeah. In 1054, oh. do you remember what happened in 1054? Uh, no. No? No. Okay. <laughs> 1054 was the Great Schism where the oh, right. uh, Byzantine and Eastern Catholic churches split off from the Roman church. Right. Uh, so that's less than 20 years ago. The churches have split and now the Byzantine Empire loses control of Turkey. So these two things okay. happen pretty close together, which is very unfortunate for the Christians in this part of Turkey. Right. Because not only are they now subjected to the Seljuk Turks, who are now running things, yeah. who don't like them, yeah. um, but also they're no longer, like, really tied to Rome, and there's, like, a lot of flux in, right. like, the hierarchy and, like, what do we do? Yeah. <laughs> so things are just rough for this these people. Fair. Uh, and the local Christians are real nervous, real stressed out. Yeah. Uh, so it's not great. In 1080, yeah, 1087, um, a group of Italian sailors are like, hey, uh, this part of Turkey is having a real rough time, uh-huh. and maybe we should go, like, do some holy robbery type stuff. Oh, gosh. I don't think they thought of it that way, but that is how everyone else saw it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, no. I think they saw it as, like, a rescue mission. Right. Like, this is a rough area, and we can't leave holy relics there. They'll get lost. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, the locals did not like this. Oh, yeah. Um, and even today, um, Turkey and the Eastern Church see this as, like, an ultimate betrayal, like, Ooh. unbelievable, 
unacceptable robbery. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but so these Italian guys, uh, they sail over there and they break open his sarcophagus and they take the largest <sighs> remaining bones because he's been dead for 700 years. Right. So like, you know, yeah. like bits of his big bones are what's left yeah. mostly. So they take some of the big bits and they take them back to uh, Italy. They go to a town called Bari or Bari, maybe B-A-R-I. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is where they are from, and they have built a, uh, they've purpose built a new church for these relics called the Basilica di San Nicola, mm-hmm. uh, and so they um, they put the they put the relics in this fancy chimes church. Yeah, um, and uh, actually Pope Urban II personally mm-hmm. comes to like the consecration of this new uh, church and personally places the bones in the new tomb huh. under the altar. Yeah. Yes, hmm. so. Most of his big bits are in Barry now. Okay. Uh, while they're in Barry, uh, they continue to produce, they continue to ooze that liquid. Yeah. Like, that doesn't stop. It keeps going. That's not good. Um, and it has not stopped. Uh, yeah. To this day. Ah! <laughs> to this day, they collect the liquid from his tomb annually. Once a year, they, what? like, go out and collect it in little jars. And you can buy it. What? Locally. What? Yes. So. <laughs> that sounds like such a health concern. It, yeah. So, uh, since the tomb uh, is, you know, in case, you know, it's sealed, it's closed, uh, you can't see into it. They're not sure if the to- if the liquid is coming from the remains or uh-huh. Barry is a port city. Yeah. The catacomby area where his body is kept is possibly below the water table and everything's made of marble. Uh-huh. And they want. They think maybe it's just seawater that's uh, yeah. like seeping through Reasonable. the marble. Yes, I just found a. But I just. If anyone would like to buy some uh, mystery, oh, uh, no. mystery religious goop oozing from the bones of Saint Nicholas, you can still do that yeah. in Barry. Okay, so first, I found pictures, and there's tons of bottles that you can buy, including antique mm-hmm. bottles. I also yep. found a photo. Yeah, that, they've been doing this for a thousand years. Yeah. I also found a photo mm-hmm. that is supposedly a picture of some of his bones, uh, and yes. the, the the caption is "Saint Nicholas is dead and his bones are leaking." <laughs> yeah, it's gross. And two or three, I guess, at this point. Um, why has nobody just like tested it? An excellent question, which we will partially come to. Okay. Uh, the main thing that I think is interesting about this is that if it is this water table thing where it's just yeah. seawater, but it was doing it in the old the other city too. Yeah, well, so that's the thing, right? Like, was it doing it in the old city, or is this something that started happening when they happened moved it later here and, and they attributed? They, yeah, maybe don't know, but it's weird. But also, gross. like, I suppose they don't want to open the the thing, but they could just yes. open the thing. Yes, we will. We will talk about that. But also. Uh, does it still smell good? Apparently. Because hmm. uh, that, I mean, like, even if he was embalmed, you'd think, okay, maybe there's some remnant of those spices and stuff. Mm-hmm. But if it's been 700 years and he's been leaking this whole time, it's probably been washed away at this point. Yeah, but is, he's still doing it now when it's been no, I know. 1800, I know. 1700 years. Yeah, so it's really been a long time. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's Yeah. yeah. So at the beginning maybe if he was miscellaneous like if there was just water in there for some reason uh and it was it might have smelled good just because of what the spices and stuff that were around him you know but at this point you would think it would not it would just smell like seawater at this point or it would have bits of bone and shit in it also that can't be good for the bones 
No, I wouldn't think so. You know? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's gross. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So that's, that's what they're doing in Barry. Um, in 2017, uh, Pope Francis had a meeting with uh, Patriarch Kirill, who's like a high-ranking dude in uh, the Russian Orthodox Church. Okay. Uh, and they arranged for some of these relics from Barry to be transferred, like loaned, basically, uh, oh. to Russia for a while. Okay. Uh, so these, uh, they take a couple of bones, I think, a couple of ribs, uh, and they send them to uh, Christ the Savior Cathedral in Moscow, and then they spent a little time in St. Petersburg, uh, and then they, they went back to Barry all in 2017. Okay. Uh, and they said that more than a million people came to see St. Nick's rib in Moscow. Yeah. It's just a fun fact. That's fair. Fun travels for St. Nicholas in recent years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Travel the world. Hell yeah. Yep. Okay, so if you remember, these uh, Italian sailors, when they took the body, they just took the big bones. Right. And they did that because that's mostly all yeah. that was left because it had been 700 years. But there was some other, like, little fragmenty bits Maybe that they didn't take. Maybe that's what I'm taking, looking at a picture of. Because I'm looking at a picture of part of a jaw. Uh, and, like, part I of I think an the arm. jaw... No, I think the... Those kind... I think these fragmenty bits are, like, like fingernail, oh, okay. like, little... Like little tiny fragments. These are bits. these are big bits. You're telling. Yeah, okay. the big bits are all the ones in Barry. Okay, it's in a fancy anything box. that still looks like a like identifiable something yeah. is a Barry bone. Okay, yeah, gotcha. but so there's all these like little tiny little bits. tiny yeah. remnant bits. Yeah, Marbles and shit. Uh, that were left behind in Mira. Okay, uh, so uh, in uh, approximately uh, eleven hundred, uh, the first crusade is gearing up. Uh, Not good. And some sailors are traveling from Venice to Palestine, uh-huh. or sailing from Venice to Palestine, and they kind of, like, decide that on the way to Palestine, they are going to pop into Mira and see if they can get any more oh St. Nicholas relics. Stop uh, stealing there might shit. Be some left. Yes. Again, local monks did not like this, but I guess at this time there were hardly any monks left, like, running this church. So, like, there wasn't much way for them to resist. Right, yeah. There's not like yeah, yeah. yeah. They like can't do anything about not it when these Venetian to... uh, Venetian uh, soldiers turn up and are like, "We're gonna take that." Oh uh, gosh, yeah. So the these little like this box of little bits that are left uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> goes to uh, San Nicolo Alido, uh, which is a new church that they've built in Venice specifically again specifically for these uh, relics. Uh-huh. Um. In the 1990s, uh, they did some uh, scientific tests of uh, these bones in Venice and the ones in Barrie. Uh-huh. And the tests say that the two sets of relics are anatomically compatible. Okay. So that they could theoretically be from the same person. Right. That's good. Um, which is, yeah, That's it's good for... a good start. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why they didn't do DNA. Well, in the 90s, they couldn't have done right. DNA. Yeah. Um, but they haven't since either. And I don't yeah. know if that's because they can't, like, that's might be degraded too, too much. Yeah. Or maybe they don't have permission. It might be um, both. Because, like, the Catholic Church does seem kind of like, they're both on, like, we want to prove miracles and stuff. But also, like, old stuff, they're like, no, we'll just leave it. And you're like, well, but. <laughs> yeah. So I bet uh, it's a little bit of both. But, like, yeah, you can't get. Well, I don't know. Well, yeah, they, I was gonna they might say, be too small. They might be too degraded. Yeah. It just might be not possible. Because you can get DNA from bones, but 
You have to get it from the marrow, don't you? Yeah. Um, yeah, so you might be able to get it from the big chunks left in berry, but right. you might not be able to get any from the little fragments, and then you can't yeah. compare them. So. so if anybody's thinking about, like, well, how do we have the the DNA sequence of mammoths? All of that kind of stuff has come from, like, mummified mummified yeah, specimens, not, not, not what's happened here. Yeah. yeah. Once you have just bones, like, basically... Bone DNA is harder. Yeah, yeah. once it dries out, especially, the, like, almost instantly DNA starts falling apart. Yeah. So... Uh, so yeah, so the most they can say really is that like these two sets of relics could be from the, like they're there's no reason that they couldn't be from the same person. Yeah, which is a good start. Um, yeah, that's good. Legend. <laughs> yep, there's a legend in Venice that says that every time uh, Saint Nicholas's bones are disturbed, somebody dies. Oh no! Uh, so they haven't they haven't touched them since the nineties. Yeah, I mean that's fair. Yeah, <laughs> it's spook. Um. When these uh, crusaders picked up these relics in the uh, and took them to Venice in the first place, uh, they didn't put all of them straight into this relic uh, reliquary in Venice. Uh-huh. They like saved some of them and sort of, like sent them around Europe. Uh-huh. Um, so like there are a couple of teeth in uh, Normandy. There are some little bones in a fancy box in uh, Flanders. There's just like. <laughs> distributed there's just They're little just bits of him freaking yeah. everywhere yeah yes uh today they have you know they've continued to spread you know right. um and so now there are many claims of his relics across europe north america and russia just freaking everywhere. okay so on ebay right now Uh-oh. you can buy um i suppose you don't necessarily know if this is true or not but or real or not but it seems like they've made like official like Almost like plastic trading cards, where it's like an uh-huh. image of Saint Nicholas. There's probably a, yeah, there's a prayer on the back, and then encased between the plastic is like a drop of the stuff. Oh yeah, the the, the stuff that's oozing out yeah, of them. Yeah, and it, you can buy one for yeah. seven dollars or sixteen dollars. Hmm. So I feel like Fun. we should buy it and then get it tested. Let's <laughs> <laughs> do it ourselves. <laughs> Because if it's not seawater, that's fascinating. And if it's not, because it could technically also be freshwater, if the water table. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but, like, you could do, like, isotope stuff on it. If it's not the right isotope stuff for berry, yeah. then that would be fascinating. But also, it's hard to tell if these are legit or not. There's also some... Or if um, somebody's just selling drops of water until it's saying... There also are some bone fragments... On eBay. on eBay. Yep. <sighs> For a thousand pounds. Okay. Also, anyway, uh, like I said, lots of tiny chips, freaking everywhere. Yeah. Everybody's calling this mana also, which I think is interesting. Yes. It is a, one of, that's one of the historic names they give okay. to it. The goo. But it's, it's like clear watery stuff that smells good, I guess. Yeah. So how they describe it. Okay. So his little bits are distributed from the Venetian uh, soldiers just kind of everywhere. Right. There's a bajillion of them, and they're all tiny little tiny little bits that no one could ever do anything with. <laughs> um, in the 1950s, uh, so wait, so that was Venice. Venice is done. We're going to jump back to Barry really quickly. Mm-hmm. Okay, which is where all the big bits are. Yes. Or in the were. 1950s. Oh, no, are. Barry, right, yeah. Yeah, that's okay. where they are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in the 1950s, uh, they renovated the crypt in this church. Uh-oh, nothing good happens in the 50s. Um, and <laughs> it's actually not, it's actually... 
fine. Inter- really interesting. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they renovate this crypt because they have to do like structural stuff. Right. And uh, when they are doing that, they get um, pontifical permission to do some scientific analysis on the bones. Mm. Uh, and this is the first time that any of them are removed since they were interred in 1089. Damn. So it's been almost a thousand years yeah. and they're coming out for the first time. Right. They got the Pope to give permission to do some stuff. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So they send them to these little bits uh, that they are allowed to test to the University of Barrie, where they do some things. Uh-huh. So here's the stuff that the University of Barrie decides in the about 50s. these bones. Okay. In the 1950s, yeah. yes. Uh, these bones are from a male. Good. Good. Nice. He was 70 or older when he died. Damn. That's accurate. Good. Yeah. Yep. Uh, he was an average height for the time and place, which is about 5'6". Fair. Just sure. Yep. <laughs> he was slender to average build. Fair. Uh, he had uh, severe chronic arthritis in the spine and hips. Yeah, makes sense if he's 70. Also old. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and he had a broken nose that had mostly healed, huh. um, which they think uh, lines up with uh, stories of being tortured during the Diocletian persecution. Wait, how? Uh, but they when have you. Big, they have big bits. Yeah, but when you break your nose, you're breaking the cartilage. From no, not always. You can break the little top oh, bit where it just, you know, where that yeah. bone just barely juts out right at the top. Yeah. You can break that. Okay. So that's what's broken. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So all of huh. these things seem like they line up like, yes, all of these things are things that people like line up with what we think of as St. Nicholas. You know, like they didn't find out it was like a 20 year old woman or anything. Like it all lines up. Good. <laughs> there, I mean, you, I think even until like the early 2000s, there were a lot of problems with like actually identifying male men versus women remains male versus female remains you know because people assume yes like oh if it's a smaller person it's a female when in fact like it could just yes. be a small male um, well they have since they did this so in the 50s yeah. they took a bunch of like really accurate measurements and photos and stuff okay. because they knew that yeah like once with his bones back we're not we're gonna, not gonna, gonna get him out again, again. <laughs> yeah yeah so they have all these really great records uh so there have been like updated tests more recently uh-huh. Like, every once in a while, some university will be like, hey, somebody should look at that stuff again. Right. <laughs> so, um, since the 1950s, huh. in 2004, uh, some researchers at the University of Manchester in England uh-huh. uh, reconstructed his face based on the Ooh. measurements taken of the skull. Fun. Uh, I'm surprised so the skull the- was intact enough to do any of this, like, nose break or... Yeah, apparently it was all, like, pretty good stuff. Because, like, when they said they sent the stuff to uh, Russia, yeah. like, they were whole ribs. Yeah, so that's must pretty have, intact. Like, a decent amount of stuff left. Yeah. I guess if he was kept dry, like there's no reason. Yeah, and I think I, it's a pretty dry area. I guess if people are selling bits of carpal bones on eBay, then it must be because <laughs> usually yeah. like your carpals are what go first because they're the smallest bones. But... Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, uh, they did that in 2004, um, and then in 2014, uh, the Liverpool John Moores University, uh, used some, like, new updated techniques for, like, uh, flesh density and stuff, Uh and, like, sort of redid the facial construction. Yeah. Uh, so there's two of them that have been, like, one after the other, uh, and it was, uh, the face was published on, uh, the BBC on a program called The Real Face of Santa. Oh, good. So you can Google it if you Google like uh, the real face of Santa, which is the name of this program, or Saint Nicholas uh, reconstruction. Uh-huh. Like you can see this, you know, this historical scientific reconstruction of what he might have looked like. Huh. Hang on. Looks like a nice man, like very generic looking. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. You know, historical person reconstruction. Yeah. His eyes are a tiny bit dead. Yeah, but that's you know, it's these yeah. like these yeah. digital clay models that they make now. <laughs> yep. 
Uh, yeah. Uh, so that's all the stuff mm-hmm. for like his him, the him part of him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> huh. Uh, okay. So, uh, there is some um, uh, miscellaneous stuff. Oh wait, there's one more sciencey thing. Okay. Good. I love 2017. That. Oxford University. Uh, this priest comes forward, a priest from Illinois comes forward, who claims to have a relic of St. Nicholas that was taken from a church in Lyon, France. Okay. How this priest in Illinois got it? Don't know. But like I said, Not they great. were little chips yeah. freaking everywhere. And like the fact, like, you know, the chances that some priest at some point emigrated from france and took this with yeah and it. or somebody gave sure, it to whatever somebody it's fine whatever, yeah. they're yeah there's they're everywhere so it's not impossible that this priest in illinois could have some right but they had like decently good records that this really is well you know right. that like yes this could really be a relic it's not you know he has records going back hundreds of years and the church in france has records going back you know a thousand years yeah of like yes we got this from the venetians who said that it was a relic right of saint nicholas so uh 2017 oxford university gets a hold of this piece and they do a radiocarbon test on it okay uh and That's they good. uh find out that it was uh from the fourth century okay uh, he died in the middle of the fourth century so okay. that is good stuff yeah uh and the university of oxford i guess has this like running thing where they test relics um, oh they just that's just their thing it's just like a thing okay. that this lab does. That's fair. I mean, yeah. I mean, somebody's got to do it, right? And if you're like trusted with it, you know. Yeah. So they said that this was the, this is the oldest relic they've ever actually gotten. Oh, nice. And that almost all the relics they test are from you know 1840 right, or something. Yeah. Like definitely not that person. It's like, and they're like, oh hey, was this or like was this Shakespeare? Question mark. You know, kind of stuff. Yeah. Not that. And old so stuff. they they seemed pretty jazzed about like, hey, look, this one's actually old. Huh. Fun. That's good. Yep. Yeah, so all the science is like pointing to this could be, this could be him. Okay. Yeah, that's good. It's good. I mean, it's it's great because mm-hmm. like a lot of times, yeah, when people are like, "This is a relic," yeah, they would test it and immediately be like, "Nope, it's not." Immediately, it's like well, this is like five hundred years off, and it's not that yeah. it's not old. It's just that somebody in seven hundred was like, "This is this guy," and then that persisted, yeah, but it wasn't was actually. Lying. Yeah. But it's pretty impressive for it to like. Yeah. So far, all the science seems like it lines up. Yeah, and then two. It, like, is actually right. Um, mm-hmm. And matches the stories of his life. FYI, mm-hmm. I have purchased one of these thingies. Oh, good. Of mana. <laughs> How much was it? Uh, it ends up being, like, $16 because it was $7, but they're charging $7 for shipping because it's coming from Italy. Okay. Oh, boy. So Fun. I got the last one of this one, at least on eBay. There's another one that was $15. Uh, so... Uh, <laughs> I have purchased one. Okay. We're going to have it. <laughs> okay. It's going to be our first relic type thing in our collection for this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was so cheap that I'm like, I'm going to buy it. Honestly, it's probably like a local scam too, you know? Oh, yeah. For sure. But I'm still going to buy it. <laughs> if it was like 50 yeah. bucks, wouldn't have bought it. But mm-hmm. it was seven plus shipping. So that's fine. Um, this is fascinating. Um Yes. This is probably, this is, like, one of the first ones that we've got, like, one, like, we actually know where the relics are. Yeah. Um, because, like, 
And somebody's done anything. And to somebody's test done they're, anything. They're supposed yeah, to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so, like, remember how at the beginning I was saying that there, there's like all of his story is made up and was added later. Yeah. But this is how they know this is a real person. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And somebody in the mid four, the mid three hundreds buried this person and kept track of him. Right. And people kept like moving him and protecting yes. him and stuff. Why they did that can't prove. Right. But like he was like this person did yeah. something. And like the. <laughs> I think even the church on Little Island with the really old painting, that mm-hmm. is also very compelling. Because yes. somebody at the time, or at least very close to the time, yeah. as close as we thought can get. Thought that this guy was important enough to at least maybe, do all this effort. Yeah, maybe he wasn't buried there, but they like made it like a chapel or a shrine or something. Mm, a shrine, yeah. And painted his name on the wall, so. Yeah, so this is why uh, historians don't really have a problem with him. I do like, say yes. Obviously, he probably didn't resurrect any pickled right. children, but like yeah. he was definitely a bishop who did some stuff. I probably. would say. Also, there's a video of Putin visiting his relics. Anyway, um, really random stuff you find on Google Images. Uh, I will say that some of the like obviously the stories like we have no way of confirming, but especially mm-hmm. like with all the threes, it feels like some of those might be true, but then people like made them. Yeah, more nice them. by making them threes yeah. and stuff like that mm-hmm. um but yeah you're right that they're they're weird stories that i've never heard because like yeah, they're not like the classic this girl doesn't want to get married and because right. she doesn't want to marry a pagan and like that's like there's like thirty thousand saints like that like this guy is different he healed a blind person you're like wow yeah <laughs> these ones are weird and specific they're super odd yeah nothing i've ever heard before uh yeah, that's wild. Okay, yep. so uh, so nowadays, yeah, uh, he is like a pretty famous saint. Like, you know, he's quite old and he was popular and always has been. Uh, so there's you know churches and libraries and just things uh-huh. everywhere. Uh, nothing of like super super fun note, just because they're everywhere. Yeah, uh, he's particularly uh, popular in the Eastern uh, Orthodox Church um, because so he was in Turkey, right? Right. Yeah. So between when he died in 343 and the Great Schism in 1054, it's like 700 solid years of that, like, that group of people being, like, really jazzed about St. Nicholas, Uh like, in Turkey, you know, and, like, setting up the whole cult of St. Nicholas and just, like, he's super popular. Uh, And then when the schism happened, all of those people get pushed into the other church, right? Uh Uh-huh. So he is particularly popular in the Eastern Orthodox Church purely from a geographical fluke of like this is where he was so this is where the people who care about him are and now they're part of the eastern orthodox yeah, church he's the local guy yes. yeah also so i just found photos of when his relics went to russia mm-hmm. and there's a photo of patriarch kirill or maybe cyril or something mm-hmm. welcoming like cyril. at the mass welcoming yeah. the, the relics and the clothes they wear are just fantastic and this man also. Oh, in the Eastern Orthodox yeah. Church? Yeah, I know. It is <laughs> when I so embellished. When me, when me and mom were at that, um, when we were in Rome that time. Yeah. Uh, when we went to the scary church where right. Cyril and Methodius are. Yeah. Uh, we went to Ash Wednesday Mass with the Pope. Right. Uh, and when he gives masses, it's like a, a big deal, right? right? He yeah. had all kinds of various dignitaries part of his, were like part of his procession. Yeah. And the, um, the like... The patriarch of the Eastern Orthodox Church was there. Yeah. And his clothes were very fancy. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's a very fancy He's man. so fancy. Yep. Look fancy, at all fancy. these people. I know. 
Holy cow. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Go look up these photos, guys. It's fascinating. (laughs) So Nick is is and has always been more famous and popular and for a longer period of time in the Eastern Church. That makes sense. Uh, But then when his relics, uh, when those Venetians brought his relics, um, well, and when he came to Barry and to Venice. Yeah. Um, in the like, early 1100, like around 1100, he sort of started to develop a cult in Western Europe and the Roman Church too. Right, right, which makes sense. So, yeah, so the one in the West is just a little bit newer than the one in the East. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you do any research, like this part of the reason that he went, his relics went to Russia, because like that's where he's right, right. been yeah. more famous for a longer period yeah. of time. It's like yeah. when they sent some of um, uh, Pope John Paul II's relics to Poland and stuff. Yeah. 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 So that's why specifically Russia, not anywhere right. else. Right. Yeah. Um, Makes sense. They, in the Eastern Orthodox Church, I found this interesting thing where, uh, kind of like in the Catholic Church, the Eastern Church has, um, like set hymns and prayers and things that you sing on different days and for like different ceremonies yeah. and different, you know, this is like, this is what you do on Tuesdays of ordinary time. Right. Yeah. You know? They're like <laughs> set, set canon. Uh, set canon yeah. Stuff, so yeah. they have that same kind of thing. And on Thursdays of, like Thursdays, Thursdays of ordinary time mm-hmm. in the Eastern Orthodox Church, there is a special hymn specifically to like ah. celebrate St. Nicholas. Wow. Which is nice. Yeah. That's fun. Every Thursday, huh? <laughs> yep. Every Eastern Orthodox Mass on a Thursday. <laughs> Look out for that. Okay. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. So nowadays, St. Nicholas is, because he's one of these old saints, so he's the patron of about 10,000 things. Uh-huh. I'm just going to give you the popular popular list. No, okay. that's fair. Yeah. Patron of sailors, fishermen, ships, and sailing, uh, which they think is because he calmed that storm that one time. Right. Okay. Also, we've talked about this with like St. Erasmus. There's like hundreds of saints of sailing <laughs> because sailing was scary. <laughs> yes. Uh, he's also the patron of children. Uh, yeah. Purely because of the misunderstanding of those pictures. Right. Uh, he's the patron saint of prostitutes. Uh, because if you remember those three girls that he gave money to for the dowries, right. the fear was that they would become prostitutes. Yes. Because actually the story is very specific. He wasn't, uh, he didn't give money to be nice and charitable for the dad. Right. He gave money specifically out of fear for the daughters turning to prostitution. Yeah. Yes. So now he's a patron of prostitutes. Good. Also right. of uh, merchants, archers, repentant thieves, pawnbrokers, and brewers. Brewers also Gosh. from a misunderstanding of those pictures. Yeah, that's just so... Okay, okay, okay. So these photos, you guys have to look them up. Because these photos, I understand people being like, oh, like, patron saint of children. Like, don't understand why these children are in this, in this picture, right? Yeah. Makes <laughs> sense. How you would get to brewers or the fact that, like, yeah, they're sitting in a tub, but, like... Brewers aren't brewing children. <laughs> no, I think it's just that culturally, like, who has big vats like that in those yeah, times? Yeah, that's like, true, where It was only brewers would have that. And so you're like, I don't know what the kids are for, but they're right. clearly in a beer factory. <laughs> oh, gosh. That's so unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, if you remember in his uh, many little rando stories that I told you uh-huh. earlier, um, he has kind of a, like, a penchant for, like, secret gift giving, for, like, giving uh, money and things uh, without, like, revealing who the giver was. Uh, and so there are a variety of traditions across Europe and the world now that, like, relate to this. 
So, in medieval England, uh-huh. there was a celebration called the Yuletide Boy Bishop, uh, okay. where kids, like little boys especially, you know, yeah, teen yeah. boys, uh, but kids would uh, dress up as bishops and kind of uh, like, in a joking nice. way, like perform their duties for the day. Yeah. Uh, which is cute, and one of the things they would do is give out little, like, candies and treats and stuff. Right. Uh, medieval nuns in Eastern and Central Europe would uh, drop baskets of food and clothing anonymously for the poor in their towns uh-huh. on St. Nicholas's Feast Day. Um, in uh, Also in the Middle Ages, sailors from the Netherlands and Belgium... Um, if they were sailing on St. Nicholas's Feast Day, which is December 6th, uh-huh. uh, which is the day he died, uh-huh. uh, if they were sailing on that day, they would, like, make a stop and, like, go on shore, go on shore and attend the masses and stuff. Right. You know, like, make a point of being at the masses. Yeah. Um, and when they did that, because they didn't come to shore that often, um, you know, because they're sailors. Right. Have, like, yeah. places to be. Um, but since they, like, made this special stop off for this feast day, they would pick up, and it was so close to Christmas, they would pick up little gifts for their kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like their wives who were back home. Yeah. Um, and so when they got home, uh, the kids would have like their real presents would be saved for Christmas. But the little trinkety ones that their dad picked up when he stopped for St. Nicholas Day would be given to them as soon as dad came home. Oh, yeah. As like a courtesy of St. Nicholas, like St. Nicholas Cute. has sent you this, yeah. this little present. Yeah. So it's like little, little things. Right. Yeah. Um, and then... The thing that I think most people probably would recognize or maybe will recognize St. Nicholas from is that he is the um, sort of the originator of our modern Santa Claus. Yes. Santa Claus is St. Nicholas. Sometimes you call him like jolly old St. Nick. This is that St. Nicholas. Yeah. This is how we get St. Nicholas from Santa Claus. Yeah. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So the Dutch specifically, which I did not know. Uh Um have this legendary figure called Sinterklaas. Yeah. Um, who, which is a, that Sinterklaas is kind of like a, um, like a portmanteau of how you say like St. Nicholas. Right. Yeah. In Dutch. And it has like, cause it's gotten squished over time into Sinterklaas. Yeah. And in uh, sort of Dutch areas on December 6th, which is the feast day, Mm -hmm. um, you would give uh, kids especially little presents on St. Nicholas Day Eve, which is December 5th. Uh Um, And this happened throughout Belgium, Luxembourg, North France. Um, Uh Yes. So this is like a thing that you gave your kids little little presents for St. Nicholas Day. Um, (laughs) Fun fact. Uh, the Dutch in their world colonial period, mm-hmm. when they sailed around and did a bunch of stuff, uh, brought this tradition to various other places in the world. Oh, good. So just like, like they still do this in Aruba. Oh, okay. <laughs> just fun. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, um, Sinterklaas, he's Dutch. The Dutch set up New Amsterdam. Right. Uh, so the Dutch in New Amsterdam were celebrating like Sinterklaas Day on December 6th doing this thing and then uh the english got into new amsterdam and named it uh new york so now new york is a colony but the dutch who still live there are still doing this thing because why would they stop right um and then over time it gets anglicized and the tradition sort of spirals a bit yeah and the gift giving gets bigger and bigger and bigger and it shifts yeah. from december 6th on from the little presents on december 6th it kind of gets pushed onto the big presents on christmas right and now he's santa claus yeah ah, that's wild yeah. <laughs> Yep. I didn't know it came from Dutch, though. 
the whole Saint Nick to Santa Claus thing. Yeah, I always thought of it as like an Eastern European thing, right. but I guess that's just it's personal just bias. Where it was, yeah, it was yeah. kind of <laughs> everywhere at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. a thing that still happens in a lot of a lot of parts of Europe, uh, yeah. Eastern Europe, Central Europe, uh, Dutch places. Yeah, still happens. Yeah, so a lot of people will like get like give their children little little like candy and little presents on the sixth. Yes, uh, as well as like. And then Which, later on, Christmas. if this if this is released on the day, I think it's going to be released was yesterday. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yesterday was Saint Nicholas. Yes. Day. I was like, wait, what? And I was like, oh yes, because <laughs> we're yeah, okay. I got my husband some socks with espresso machines on them. Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> yeah. So if you don't know, like our family growing up, like we did this, where on the fifth we would put our shoes in front of the uh, fireplace. And then, quote unquote, Saint Nick would come and <laughs> leave candy yes. and uh, and yes. uh, and it is it is specifically a thing in a lot of parts of Europe, including yes. in Dutch places, yeah. where you put it you leave out a shoe, yeah. Because if you remember, Saint Nicholas was putting uh, alms for the poor in shoes. their shoes that yep. they left outside, yeah. So people will still leave out like their literal shoe, and yep. their little presents will get put in their little shoe. Yep. And yes. a child's <laughs> a child's logic is like put out a bigger shoe, get more things. Uh, <laughs> so that is what we would do. Um, I think that worked pretty well. Yeah, it did. It, it honestly did. Yep. Uh, yeah, like, uh, like if you think of olden times when like citrus and stuff wasn't common, like oh, I have something. I have my very last thing to oh. tell you is about the citrus. Okay. Do you want to hear about the citrus? Yeah. Okay. So this tradition really comes from uh, Dutch areas. Okay. Uh, Which sort is of like yeah. Belgium, Netherlands, Luxembourg, right. like North France, kind of like that part of Europe. Yeah. So basically the Dutch, because this was kind of everywhere, everybody kind of knew about St. Nick, but Dutch, the Dutch were like, the Dutch are the ones it. who are really doing this, like put out your shoe, yeah. get a little present on St. Right. Nicholas Day. Okay. Yes. Okay. They like this popularized like the Dutch thing. Okay. Yes. This is their jam. I see. Okay. So obviously citrus fruits do not grow in this part of Europe. They do not really right? grow in Europe at all. Uh, they do grow in parts of Spain. Okay. Well, uh, so, <laughs> so. Um, in the olden times, getting an orange or other tropical fruit was a real big deal right. because it had to come from really far away. So it was really expensive to ship yeah. and you had to do it really fast before it rotted. Right. So just having one was like wow. big fancy times, big deal. Yeah. Yes. So, which is often why like even today in some places, like you get like an orange in your Christmas stocking because uh-huh. it's like an or old thing about how it was a big deal. Like one of the chocolate, like a chocolate orange. Sometimes people do. Yes. You know those chocolate oranges. So, yes. <laughs> so, okay. So in a lot of the icons of St. Nick... Um, they will often put like three little bags of gold yeah. to like represent the things he gave to those three girls. Right, makes sense. Um, and some in some of the pictures, they're not drawn very well, uh-huh. and so people didn't know that they were supposed to be bags of gold. Uh-huh. And they have been often misinterpreted as fruit. Oh man, like it's an apple or it's an yep, orange. Or, like, I'm it's looking some at other it right thing. now. He's just holding oranges. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, oh man, because That's funny. So like because he is often misinterpreted as holding fruit. Yeah. And because in the olden times you would bring your children an orange because it was a really huge freaking deal at Christmas. Right, yeah. Those two things together led old-timey children to start to think that Santa Claus lives in Spain. Oh my gosh. Cuz that's where the orange grow. <laughs> Oranges are. And oh, at Christmas time, Saint Nick from his little fancy hacienda in Spain oh, man. would send the kids that's of funny. northern Europe that's some oranges. That's really funny. <laughs> that's like that's like the old-timey version of like the North Pole, right? It's like 
if you live in like northern europe like you've spain is like unbelievably far away like it's unimaginable like what that place is and so like at the time they're like oh yeah spain just like place that's really far away but now we've we've moved it to like the north pole because that's yeah and it's like well yeah it's like where could santa claus reasonably have a massive workshop to make all these toys it has to be somewhere where no one lives right north pole old-timey kids are like well where where could saint nicholas be that he has all these oranges (laughs) spain spain saint nicholas lives in spain that's really funny i appreciate (laughs) that uh so i just wanted to uh i'm glad you enjoyed this i did because i also enjoyed this i was really afraid because i wanted to do it this week because like it is saint nicholas day and that is a thing that we still celebrate in our family so it is like a big deal rather than just a random saint day for us if anybody wants to know uh we are adults and quote unquote saint nick still sends us things yes he does uh this year via amazon Amazon. um (laughs) Um, a box is sitting so, right next to me. I, <laughs> I haven't yeah, it, I, it's not yeah, I haven't either. Um, so I was really afraid because I was like, I want to do Saint Nicholas because right. it's topical. Yeah, and I was really afraid that I was going to go online and there were going to be like nothing. three sentences yeah. about how he was a martyr and there's nothing else. And he's fa- and he's the one who stands. Yeah, I, that's what I would have thought. Like, there's yeah, going to be there, nothing. It just yeah, it's like the Wikipedia page just wow. goes on and on wow. and on. <laughs> And then they're like, oh, and somebody did some uh, real scientific tests. And I was like, dope. Nice. <laughs> Great. Excellent. And then they're like, he's oozing this weird stuff even today. And I was like, that's Ooh, gross. horrifying. <laughs> yep. And I love the huh. thing about the resurrecting the pickled children. Yeah. Ooh, that's and so I just, weird. I just love all of it. That's I think he so has done an excellent job. And I like that he is called Nicholas the Wonder Worker. Oh, my gosh. Because I think that that seriously uh, downplays the, yeah. the weirdness. <laughs> the weirdness of stuff he did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i feel like uh uh yeah that's very odd i love the stories though oh it's fascinating i also think it's fun that like he is an old-timey saint and most of the old-timey saints we've covered have been um like theologian teachery kind of people like historic like important for the history of the church whereas he's not he's just like miracles left and right (laughs) yeah he's just doing weird shit yeah He's like yeah. projecting his, himself into people's dreams. He's resurrecting yeah. children who are dismembered. Uh, yeah. It's also very interesting how like those stories got conflated, like so mm-hmm. weirdly. Like that just shows you what happens over hundreds of years, thousands of years of people painting the same person, and then somebody's like, "What is that? Is that an orange? I'm gonna paint it as an orange." <laughs> sure, it's an orange. I've never now, seen an orange. And before. now he's oranges. I've heard they're round. Yeah. <laughs> Is that yeah. a fruit? I don't know. Because I I saw I was I'm looking at pictures and there was a picture where some of them he's holding like apples instead, mm-hmm. uh, instead of oranges because presumably they were like, is that an apple? I'm gonna draw it as an apple because that's the only like fruit yeah. that they know of, right? Um, yeah. But I'm also fascinated by the new stuff that they're doing. It's on the island church, right? That started in 2017, or is it? No, uh, it's the, no, one, the one, in, one that in one in Mira, Mira. yeah, yeah, where they're doing the like sub excavations. Because I bet like. I bet maybe maybe even if there isn't well one I bet that there probably are some pieces left there um because yeah, when maybe. the Italians stole it they took the big stuff so I bet there is small stuff and two even if there's not bones I bet there's like the original burial and stuff and there might be other yeah, artifacts maybe. in there like tombstones and things yeah, yeah or like even like 
medallions and like jewelry and stuff because like cloth probably is gone at this point gone but like if there are jewels or anything that people put in there with him you know or chains or Mm -hmm. crosses metal crosses or even his staff or something like that yeah if like or like coins and things left by pilgrims right yeah i bet there's a bunch of other stuff and that would be really interesting to like get all that stuff dated too and i'll have to keep an eye on it yeah archaeological stuff is slow so i mean we could probably uh might be able to check we probably have to look at publications it is 20 almost 2022 so they probably also they would have stopped for at least a year right probably two years yeah for covid and such Yeah. Uh, yeah well that was so timely and yep. delightful and yep. <laughs> really revelationary revelationary um i'm just not gonna stop thinking about those children oh my goodness yeah i know it's so weird oh gosh <laughs> i do I like, really like how how much the medieval people seem to like oh that yeah story. the medieval people they were just it's like the whole thing of like watching executions and stuff and just like you guys were so yeah. dark yeah. What are you doing? Why stop? <laughs> um, I do like that. Uh, I like I like the fact that all those stories had threes in it. I think that's very timely, especially if they had, like just decided on the Trinity. I wonder if that's part of the reason that people think he may have been there. Possibly, like, at the yeah. Nicene Council, that all the you know, Trinity like his. Stuff? They're like all of our other stories we've heard about this guy. Like things threes. happen in threes. Yeah. Maybe he was at the council where they decided that, like, we're going to do the Trinity. Right. Or, again, like, maybe all of that came later and people just started attributing it to him. Or it's just made up completely. Yeah. Yeah. I really like this picture. I found a photo, an artist, because, like, obviously when you look up St. Nick, it's a lot of, like, Santas. And then it's a lot of, uh, like, people dressed as a bishop, but still with, like, a huge Santa beard. Um, Yes. But then that is a thing that I think they do in, like, Europe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. When they like depict Santa, they depict him more as like the saint instead of like yeah, he's uh, like he's a bishop. He's not a right a magical elf or whatever right, Santa right. is. <laughs> yeah, who knows? This I guess you probably saw it because it says it's coming from Wikipedia. This photo. Um, there's a painting by Uros Predik from 1903 that like is depicting him more in like traditional clothing. Oh yeah. And it's yeah. very interesting. Like, it's very well done. And it's like, he's got a short beard, short hair, which is like way more realistic. Mm-hmm. He's like standing it's on the Mediterranean coast. It's interesting that he's white in this picture. Because yeah. a lot of his icons, he's intentionally depicted it's as darker Middle skinned. Eastern, yeah. yeah. This is from because... the early 1900s. So I'm like, I'm not surprised by yeah. that. But I like like yeah. the clothes he's wearing are like way more orthodox. Yeah. You know? And they seem Eastern, yeah. more more like the person who painted this actually knew that <laughs> yeah uh yeah i like the pictures that are depicting him as like not santa as much <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah although i did find one himself are yeah fun. i did find one where it's depicting him as like a young man and i don't like that one <laughs> <laughs> he's not allowed to be young i'm sorry but <laughs> he is not allowed well that was delightful uh i enjoyed it a lot it was very timely. I hope you guys, our listeners, also enjoyed it a lot. Uh, and I hope you also enjoy your St. Nicholas Day. Oh, St. Nicholas Day is a feast day, is it not? And when was he made a saint? 
Oh, he. I mean, never. Okay, yeah. All right, one of those. <laughs> he's from the yeah. the pre whatever yeah. period where they just it just happens. So he's just there. Yeah. yeah. But so yeah, his official official feast day is December sixth, which is historically the day they think he died. Right, and it's also question mark. Yeah, that's yes, but it's always been December sixth. It's still December sixth. Yeah, feast of Saint Nicholas, December sixth, which was yesterday. Oh, yes. when we've released this, yeah. Yes, Cur- when currently, released. when we're for the listeners, this, yeah, it is not yesterday. <laughs> when we first said that, I was like, yes. no. <laughs> But yes. For the listeners, it was yesterday. It was yesterday, yes. Hope you had a lovely day. Hope you had a lovely day. Uh, hope you you channeled all of your holiday spirit. Um, get some orange juice. Get some orange juice. Buy an orange. Have a good time. Buy a chocolate orange. Eat some chocolate. Yeah, and then at Christmas time, when you see all these pictures of the fat, bearded man, remember where that came from. And the children he reconstructed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You'll never look at Santa the same way again. <laughs> I think we will probably leave it at that. Thank yep. you very much for listening. And uh, do leave us a like or a review or a subscribe or whatever it is that people do for podcasts. Yep. And we will see you in a couple of weeks. See you guys.